Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 241. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman to discuss the Miss Marvel trailer, Daredevil and the Defenders coming to Disney Plus, and the MCU Fan Awards. But first, let's talk about the Disney news that cannot and should not be ignored. We are, like many of you, fans of Disney and the many things Disney owns, including Marvel Studios and the MCU. We are also, like many of you, deeply disappointed in Disney's far too delayed and ultimately inadequate response to the proposed Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida, which has already passed in the state Senate and may soon be signed into law. It is not right for the government or any decent human being to prohibit educators or anyone else from so much as acknowledging the existence of the LGBTQIA community or any other group. Such legislation is dangerous and immoral. As a company with thousands of LGBTQIA employees in the state of Florida and many more around the world, as a company that hosts pride celebrations in its parks and sells pride-themed merchandise, as one of the largest businesses and employers in the state of Florida, it was incumbent upon Disney to stand up for what was right, loudly and without hesitation. The company already uses its money and status to influence elections and legislation in the state of Florida, so a policy of political abstinence does not exist and cannot be used as a defense here. The company should have wielded its influence early on, but failed. Now, the company and its CEO, Bob Chapek, are promising to take meaningful action to champion the protections, visibility, and opportunity that the LGBTQIA community deserves. We hope to see them follow through as we stand in unwavering support of the LGBTQIA community. Thank you for listening. On with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? Well, it's been a it's been a, a very fun two you know last couple of weeks. Had some uh, some fun times at the movie theater recently, and uh, had some weird times with my sporting teams recently as well. So, but mostly it's been really good. And uh, got I, man, I gotta tell you, I am stoked to talk about today's episode. But I, I am getting even more jazz for Moon Knight. I haven't watched any trailers. I'm avoiding everything until I see the show. Um, but I am getting jazzed for Moon Knight, man. I'm ready. I'm ready for some Moon Knight. I am very ready for some Moon Knight. You've actually influenced me on this. I yes! I have not been looking at this. Ever since the last trailer that we talked about, I was like, nah, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. And some of that is, is your influence, but some of that is also Disney and Marvel marketing. I mm-hmm. just, over the past year or so... I feel like they uh, year and and coming up on two, like pretty much maybe a little bit with WandaVision where I first noticed it, I think was Black Widow. But I also gave that one a little bit of a pass because they had to market the movie for like two whole years uh, and take and do so many different marketing ramp ups for it, stops and starts and whatever. So I kind of understood it. But yeah, for a lot of other stuff, I've just felt like they've gone away from that sweet spot they were in of giving you just enough to be excited about it, but not really giving anything away. And I felt like they've, they've been giving more away in some of their marketing, although they did a pretty good job with Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Cause there was that whole third act that we knew nothing about, or I yeah. didn't anyway until the movie was out. But there was a lot of other stuff where I just felt like eh, they're giving away too much. So I don't trust them right now. And so because I don't trust the marketing right now, I have to stay away from it. So like you, I, I saw the posters. The posters were great. The oh, 
Fantastic. Those posters, including the the Mr. Knight poster, just incredible. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with posters right now. No video footage until we see the show on yep. March 30th. I am so, so pumped for it. And uh, I'm also pumped for Miss Marvel because <laughs> now, and pumped to know that it's not going to be that far after Moon Knight. We get six nope. episodes of Moon Knight starting on March 30th. And then that leads us right into Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And then we'll have uh, we'll be in the afterglow of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And then on June 8th, we get Miss Marvel. And today, on the day of this recording, we got the first trailer for Miss Marvel, which I had no idea this was coming right now. Nope. And I don't I didn't see any sort of hint. I know there were a lot of people trying to speculate that maybe we would get a Thor Love and Thunder trailer this week. Maybe we still will. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to do a whole other podcast this week. Oh, God. But, uh, and we probably will if a yeah, Thor Love yeah, and Thunder yeah, trailer drops. But yeah. I don't anticipate that at the moment. And I'm happy enough to just focus on the trailer that we did get, which was Miss Marvel. And this trailer, in my view, Paul, was perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect in every imaginable way i don't know that i've ever seen a first trailer for a brand new mcu like marvel comic property whatever where i just felt like every second of it i saw was just the spitting image of the comic book or maybe the image isn't necessary although some of the images literally are spitting images from the comic books but Mm. also just the feel of it the vibe of this trailer is just so spot on with the Miss Marvel comics, the original run with G. Willow Wilson and everything else and and subsequent runs of Miss Marvel. They have just nailed every single piece of this. I, and we'll talk about it and I'll go through each of the moments I loved and whatever, but just overall, this trailer start to finish, I felt like I was smiling the whole time, like having an absolute blast. I'm completely charmed by this series and, and this character. As I have been, it took me back to those comic books when they originally came out. I mean, what, early, like 2014-ish, I think, when the yeah. first one started with the whole like Inhumans thing, whatever, it got things got weird. And, and we'll certainly talk about the Inhumans thing or lack thereof, maybe, um, in this trailer. But I... This took me back to all of that of why how I just immediately latched onto this character. And I've said it before on this show, on other podcasts, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, maybe the best superhero, best new superhero who was created in my lifetime, certainly way up there of comic book characters, Marvel DC characters who I who have been created originated during my lifetime, mm-hmm. as opposed to characters that predate me. And this trailer does a really good job of initial giving people that initial taste and that initial feel of exactly why that is. I, I don't know how you can watch this trailer and, and not come away loving this character and being very excited to go on this initial journey with her. Yeah, this was uh, I was totally shocked. And we for those who don't know, me and Sean were planning on getting together to talk anyway tonight for our MT fan show. And then literally, I see this in the morning. I detect. I was watching the trailer, Sean. I texted you. I'm like, "Well, we picked a good day to yep. record." <laughs> and I was I just, just like, laughed. "F yeah, we did." So. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I laughed. Um, <laughs> this was this was something that I was bummed we didn't get earlier. Um, I can kind of see why we did now. I know there um, with some of the reveals in this trailer, which I think we'll get into a little deeper here in a second. But overall, um, I was not surprised. Surprise is not really the right word, Sean, but I was very 
taken aback of how much it felt like a, a high school, um, a, a real high school movie or, you know, TV yeah. show coming a coming of an age because with Spider-Man, he's already established as Spider-Man and you know, he's already doing his thing. And even though that's one of my favorite aspects of the character and that realism of the, of the character, which the MCU, you know, didn't necessarily always, you know, focus on necessarily and again it's not a detriment but again th- that wasn't really spider-man's uh this spider-man's mcu spider-man's uh role necessarily that very much is what i think uh kamala khan uh, uh kamala khan is going to be doing here um in this uh series she's going to be that peter like character even though they're both you know in the 616 universe they're, they're both have these roles in different times but it very much is going to be that that whole growing up, you know, awkward teen kind of a thing mm-hmm. is now, she has that role now in the MCU and not necessarily Peter Parker, which I'm really, even though again, there's aspects of it there in the, uh, so in, in those movies, but it's not really an emphasis emphasis. And it's very much the emphasis of this trailer. And it seems like the backbone of the entire series. And there's something really, really fascinating about that because I was thinking when have we really, when have we really truly gotten that? In, in a live action film of a super, and I'm not saying like, you know, there's obviously films it all the time, but for right. a superhero like movie, you know, something like that, it's, it's not very often, you know, especially with these, you know, with Marvel or DC or whatever. And well, so I think the reason for that, I think you're totally right. And I think the difference is you know, some of that is, or a lot of that is Kamala Khan and just the nature of this character. And it's also right. those original comic books, like they stayed very, very small. And so when I talk about staying true to the spirit of this, like it was mm-hmm. a lot of it initially was Miss Marvel being a superhero around the neighborhood, like really, truly friendly neighborhood type of stuff. And while I praised the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, especially Spider-Man Homecoming, and deservedly so, it did yeah. capture a lot of that high school feel. The difference, though, between that and this, I think is, well, part of it is just the nature of Spider-Man. The character is so big that you can only stay so small with it. Yeah. And, and of course, even though you had a very high school-based movie in Spider-Man Homecoming, it doesn't change the fact that it came after him already having been promoted to the big leagues immediately in Captain mm-hmm. America Civil War just a year before. And I think with Spider-Man, there's always, it's only a matter of time before it just goes big. And I think because this is a brand new character that doesn't necessarily come with the weight of all those expectations of how big of an adventure you're supposed to go on with Miss Marvel as, uh, rel- as compared to something like Spider-Man, also, this is a Disney Plus series versus a movie. And that was mm-hmm. part of why I was, I mean, look, I wanted and still want a big Miss Marvel, Marvel Studios MCU movie. And I think eventually that will happen. And I do think it will be her own movie, not just her teaming up with Carol and um, and Monica in the Marvels, although I'm very excited about that. No kidding, yeah. But to start this off, I thought a Disney Plus series was perfect because in a series, there is no pressure to go big and satisfy being a blockbuster or whatever else. You are able to keep the story relatively small. It doesn't mean the stakes are small because you will see how the stakes matter to the characters that you get to know and, and care about in this series. But there are advantages to being a series, uh, to being a Disney Plus series versus a movie. And I see, uh, I, I see this series so far taking, making full use of all of those advantages. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing that I, I took away from this trailer. Which again, I, I hope I'm, 
I, I hope we're both on the same page and not watching any more than this because I I'm very much intrigued from this because not only of the aspects of that character of of really growing up and trying to figure out you know how to deal with being a kid but also following your dreams but just like the reveals of, of the greater context of her in the universe and there's lots of yeah. great stuff and i'm like man there's like there's like things that i don't even know because i again even though we've read back in the day on the patreon we read those original comics and i've read them a long time ago and when i re, when i reread them for the show it was really nice but the comic hasn't been very consistent since then to be quite honest the art has been always consistent and the stories haven't been as consistent and that's why the title keeps being rebooted every year but they always keep having her in these other titles because she is like a popular character for sure so I'm very intrigued how this is going to be portrayed because to me, she definitely is a, a character that's ready to break out. And like you said, she's an important character for many, many different reasons. And she is a really interesting character. That initial comic is very, very good. Or it initial is. run, it's very, very good. And I love how it all it feels like that. And there is the emphasis of learning. Because again, I don't know much about the, the, that culture. And it's just nice to, to learn about this and see it in, in you know practicality of something outside of myself and see that on screen. And I think for a lot of people and seeing her, some of the things she says in the whole, uh, the whole trailer, it's just really interesting interesting and it's like man like we're gonna get a really really diverse and i don't mean that in like the obvious good way but i think in a really diverse kind of story overall because you're gonna get an aspect of i think someone who's gonna be fighting against their you know potentially what her parents want her to do in right. you know her own culture in what the her own uh peers think and maybe what her even like what her heroes think that's a really interesting dynamic to think about um, what she could be rolled up against, um, which they definitely introduce a lot of those aspects in the original comic book. So there's a lot they introduce here. And plus also just having like the fun stuff of a kid learning to become a superhero. And again, as a father of, of a little girl, you know, it, it's weird because, you know, Sean, I, I'm watching this and I'm like, you know, Lou's you know, almost two years old and God, it's crazy to think about. She's almost two. And, but it's really, really rad because I'm thinking to myself, like, man, like, my little girl is going to have someone to like when she gets older, I can watch this with, she's going to, you know, she's probably going to love mm-hmm. this character. And I was just thinking because she, I think this is purposeful, but she looks very young. I think even for her age, and there's a, there's a very, very youthful look to her. Tom Holland had that, has the same thing, obviously, but right. she looks even younger than Tom, in my opinion, like when he started the homecoming. So there, I like the fact that she's, is this character. That I think that, a lot of young kids in general are to connect to because she's embodying that idea that she wants to be a superhero. And I don't remember, it's been a while since I read the comic, I don't remember her being as super, super infatuated with superheroes as, as, as that, but I like that's the emphasis of what, you know, she, she has this dream of being something extremely greater than, you know, these idols, right? You know, there's the idea of, you're you can be one of your idols you could obtain that that not status but that that you know that that level anyway i should say and that was something really powerful to me as you know as a a, a father of of a young little girl thinking that you know that's a really cool thing to have that's special for i think not just for the mcu but i think just you know everybody for you know, little girls and, and everyone out there that you know has wants to be that you know aspires to be what their heroes are and actually can you know it, this is a kind of a metaphor for that or a symbol of like hey you can you can obtain that and I don't know, there's right. something really cool about that I think there's there's something there's what the the themes of, again I'm a big theme guy everyone knows this 
the themes of the show introduces in this trailer has me really excited. And I've, I've, I really hope, I don't think I'll be disappointed, but I really hope I won't because I think we're going to get some really deep stuff that the MCU hasn't necessarily been lacking, but has needed, I think, a youthful jolt, if you will, other than Spider-Man. Yeah, and I think we've seen some characters adding some youth to the MCU, but not quite on the same level. I mean, not quite high school age. Like We don't really have, we had Peter Parker who was in high school and he's pretty much out of high school for the most part at, at this point with Spider-Man No Way Home. He was applying to college at, at that point. So now he's doing whatever he's doing at the end of that movie, but um, wearing an awesome new suit. But um, for Kamala Khan, yeah, she's still in high school and I don't think she's going to be portrayed as being a senior in high school. She's probably somewhere in the middle there. And then, I think, yeah, as far as the theme of the show, one of them certainly for this character is dream big, right? Because she mm-hmm. is, she's kind of being shamed out of it a little bit in, in this, right? Because as you mentioned, expectations of, and maybe shamed isn't necessarily the right, uh, the right word, but she's being challenged to live up to the expectations of her peers at school, um, the, the expectations of her counselor. And I love her response to that of like, do I have to figure out my whole future before lunch? Or that was a great line. Love mm-hmm. the delivery of it. Thought that was really funny. Yeah. The, the expectations of her family, uh, uh, her parents, and then, you know, the expectations within, um, her Muslim community as, as part of her faith. And we see that, uh, in the trailer as well. And so it's exploring all of these different ideas. And that was part of what made the comic book so great mm-hmm. is yeah. when you're a kid, you, you're trying, especially at that age, you're trying to, you know, the whole coming of age thing that they're doing very well from what I can tell in this trailer. Is, yeah. You're bombarded with these different ideas of what everybody else thinks your life is supposed to be. And you're supposed to be a certain person or be a certain way at high school, you know, in order to be accepted. And, and by the way, you got to be like a thousand different ways at high school in order to be accepted because everybody's got different expectations of you and uh, at least two main identities, right, of what the the other kids expect from you, but then also what the faculty expects from you and then at home and then any other community that you are a part of that you actively participate in, whether it's your faith or something else, there are expectations of who and what you're supposed to be. And and that's not always, it, it's not ill intent. It's not necessarily, although definitely in the case of some high school kids, it totally is. But mm-hmm. I think for parents and stuff like that, like they don't mean to cause you any harm. They don't mean to, I mean, maybe some do and that's terrible. But I think for the most part, parents aren't meaning to cause their kids any harm or anything like that. They just want what's best for their kids and they want what they think is best for their kids. And it may not necessarily be, it may not necessarily align with what the kid thinks is the best idea of themselves and what their dream should be, what their goal should be or whatever. And that's obviously a very confusing time that kids all have to work through. And I, I should say that like, you know, finishing high school doesn't necessarily like remove all of those problems and all of those challenges. Like that stuff still exists. But when you're at that age, the pressure feels immense because you're, you're, confronting those ideas for the first uh, for the first time because when you're a smaller kid you're just kind of going with the flow and you go where you're taken and and that's what it is but in high school or as you're progressing through childhood like you're trying to have your own you're trying you're trying to figure out for yourself exactly who you are and what you want and what matters to you and that's a pursuit that will continue in life but then you Mm -hmm. also have what everybody else expects from you and, and you want to honor the expectations you want to honor um you know honor your parents and and everything and so 
all of those competing ideas at, at once and, and not necessarily being the best equipped you're ever going to be at dealing with all of that and processing all of that emotionally, yeah, it's a very challenging time. And I love the way that we see Kamala Khan dealing with it and, and everything that goes around it too. Also, like everything that she's doing, like she has her she has her idols. She has her fantasy, her fantasies about being a superhero. She's got her romantic fantasies with the boy she likes at, at school. And all of that, I think, Iman Vellani, she's just like, she's just jumping off the screen as a star to me right away. She mm-hmm. nails right. every note of this. She's awkward, but she's also kind of cool. She's sarcastic, witty. She's smart, but she's also vulnerable. She's very endearing. She has all of these different things going for her in this performance, so many different layers to it just in this trailer. And I can't imagine or I can't imagine just how just based on this, how good it's going to be when you see her throughout the entire series. And, you know, that Marvel and and Seraphin and the whole casting team like they went through and saw a bunch of people before they chose Iman Vellani. And so even though this was somebody we weren't necessarily familiar with, doesn't have any massive credits ahead of this show. Obviously, she was nailing those auditions and screen tests, and and I can already see what Marvel and and everybody must have seen to choose her for this role, because she is she's absolutely crushing it with what we're seeing, and and I, I just I think all of what we're seeing portrayed in this trailer is what made the comic book so rich and and made it so enjoyable because it really captured that perspective of a kid where all of these issues like we all we all acknowledge that they're as as adults we can look back on them and acknowledge yeah that's real that's a challenge and and all of that but when you're a kid they all all of those problems which are already real to begin with just seem even bigger right and mm-hmm. yeah. and I think the way that they're playing that up is great but they're not doing it in such a way where now we have to show that she's a tortured teen like she's she deals with all of this stuff and it's a challenge and it's hard but there's also a lot of fun to be had in, in watching her go through this experience and also doing things where she's just enjoying being a kid and enjoying being a superhero. And actually, her superhero fandom, that was in the original comics, too. Like, she was a Captain Marvel super fan, and that's part of how she became Miss Marvel and took on that name and uh, and all of that stuff. And, and speaking of origins, I do want to talk a little bit about what we see as different now. We already were clued into some of these things being different because there were some things that that leaked like promotional images on T-shirts and stuff like that, which I try my best not to look at that stuff. But if you're on social media and you're in the timeline, eventually some of that stuff uh, comes your way. But we already suspected that things were a little bit or a lot different. Let's recap the origin of Kamala Khan getting her Miss Marvel powers and and what those powers are in the comic books so we can illustrate how it's different here. So in the comic books, there was the big Infinity event and a awesome fight, a beautifully drawn fight uh, between Black Bolt and Thanos. Thanos in in the community, the Inhuman community or Kingdom of Adalon, which at that time was hovering above New York City, Black Bolt sets off the Terrigen bomb, which sends this Terrigen cloud all over the planet. And the Terrigen cloud, that Terrigenesis process, is how you activate an Inhuman's powers and their abilities. And it had been revealed that there were Inhumans all over Earth who just, that nobody knew that they were there and they were Inhuman. So it ended up being Kamala, uh, Kamala Khan's turn when she was out one night. The cloud hits her and she ends up having these powers, and she initially makes herself into actually looking like Carol Danvers, but 
her real power is stretchy powers. It's Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Plastic from the DC side of things, Stretch Armstrong, stretchy type of powers that she calls her embiggening powers because usually she uses those powers to make herself bigger. And that's pretty much her power set in the comic books. I suspected uh, a few things would change when we got to Kamala Khan in the MCU. I expected the origin to change because with all due respect to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the fact that they did have a big, like, well, what looked like it was going to be a, a big inhuman outbreak and then ultimately wasn't, mm-hmm. um, that was never really certified or accepted or acknowledged as any sort of official canon in the MCU. So in the MCU proper, where the movies and Disney Plus series lie, there's really not a history of Inhumans. So with no foundation laid for that in the MCU proper, I didn't really expect Kamala Khan to be an Inhuman, or if they were, if she is, they're going to have to introduce that all over in a completely different way. And I also wondered if maybe her powers would be a little bit different because we know that Marvel Studios, they've already announced it. They're making a Fantastic Four movie. So would they really want her to have a power set that is so similar to Reed Richards and I could understand why Marvel would want to go in a in a different direction. And I like what they've chosen. I don't even know exactly what they've chosen. So we see mm-hmm. this scene where she's in an attic. I don't know if this is the attic of her own house or somewhere else that she ends up. But she opens this chest and there are a couple bracelets in there. And... It really reminded me of the Ten Rings, actually. Like, it goes around her wrists and Mm. gives her these crazy powers. And they look like they've been around a minute. So are they as old as the Ten Rings? Are we going to find out that there are these super old, super-powered artifacts lying around Earth or other planets in the MCU? Is this going to be a recurring theme? I don't know. Um, But anyway... As far as what her powers are, when she's saying, when she's even asked, like, how do you feel? She says cosmic. These are very cosmic-y looking powers. They look great. I love, like, the glow of them and everything. Looks wonderful. She's using them to create steps so she can just walk on air and jump through air, whatever. Well, everybody jumps through air, but to give herself a boost. <laughs> kind of reminded me of, like, Doctor Strange giving Star-Lord those steps on Titan in mm. uh, Avengers Infinity War, but she's got that. And we do see this version of the embiggening powers. We see her having like the giant fist at at one point. So she can use this to kind of, I mean, it's not like physically enlarging her own hand, but it's like this light up version of it. It almost kind of looks like Green Lantern-esque types of powers uh, with constructs and stuff like that. So it's kind of a a mix of those things, but um, it is different from the comic books. And there is somebody who like, who asks her in the trailer, like there's the question of, do you know, what you are. And I don't know if that's going to be just, I I don't know if that's really going to be more of just an existential question of like, do you know who you are as a kid trying to figure yourself out? (laughs) Or is there something more literal to, do you know what you are? Because I don't think these bracelets that she puts on will just work for anyone. I do think that there is probably going to be something special about her and why they work for her, um, as opposed to I don't know, would it really be something that like if she loses them, anybody can put them on and have the exact same powers? Although that's kind of how the 10 rings work. So maybe that would be the case. But I don't know. I I think there is going to be something special and specific about Kamala Khan that we are going to hear about in uh, that we are going to learn in the series. And maybe that what you are is an inhuman thing. I mean, we are talking about cosmic powers. At least that's how she's saying she feels 
So uh, there is a, a good bit of mystery here, but no matter what, I mean, there are certain elements of her origin that have changed, but I never really felt like how she got her powers was integral to who she was as a character. That was a matter of circumstance of what was going on in the broader Marvel Comics universe at the time. Here's the fast forward button of how Kamala Khan and a lot of other people at the time got powers in Marvel Comics. The stories weren't really about that. The stories were about who Kamala Khan is at home and her experience of becoming a superhero while still having to deal with all the things she deals with um, at school, at home, everywhere else. Like these, That's what made the story so rich. That's what made those stories so great. And all of that is here, plus the way they have introduced these powers, whatever the, the nature of it is, which we are yet to fully understand, it looks great. Like I think it, I think her powers, the way they show up on screen, really pop and, and look amazing. This is a very interesting debate. I've seen a lot of people criticize Marvel for this. And I, I, I got to tell you, Sean, I, again, me personally, I can't I can't speak for people who aren't happy about it. And I, that's their own. That's their right to be upset, whatever. Me personally, as a fan of the character, I, I think one of the biggest detriments of the character, to be quite honest, is the fact that I think her the way they've her powers were in the comic books and the way the writers and the artists have kind of drawn her and, and used her has been a little bit too it's not, it's not, underwhelming. not interesting is not the right, it, right it, word. Yeah. No, it's it's underwhelming. Like there's exactly the way the way her powers usually show up in a comic book. It's never been the most interesting part of the comics. What's interesting to me about the comics is Kamala Khan. And it's not that I don't Absolutely. like the powers. I do like the powers, but it a lot of times it, it has ended up looking and feeling like Reed Richards' stretchy powers, only less. But but even then, like he, he she's using them in a very like again, this is and this is accurate for the kids. It's it's using it like a kid would, right? And right. there's something charming about that, which I think was cool at first. But I think the problem is how much danger can she get into without hurting herself? That's the other thing. And for me, I'm just like, you know, with Reed Richards, he, you know, he's a little bit older or he's, not, he's very much older. He's an older man, way older and he's more experienced and he's a scientist and he's not just the way they've kind of drawn both characters. And again, people have drawn, done Reed, you know, more creative than that, you know, like, you know, a little more creative uh, mindset than like, like, uh, uh uh, uh, I keep thinking of Camilla. It's Ka uh, Kamala. Um, well, it's Kamala. Kamala. Excuse me. I'm just, you know me and for names. Never yeah. get them. Well, they. But I think with Reed Richards, you know, they've had sixty years to figure out different things of right of artists figuring and writers figuring out different things to do with his stretchy powers and, and Kamala Khan. Yeah. You're. I mean, it's crazy. Holy crap! Like her comics have been out for eight years now because <laughs> she still feels very yeah, new to me. Um, but yeah, yeah. like it's. But, but you know they've had a lot of they've had a lot more years to do different things with Reed Richards, whereas Kamala Khan, yeah, they've they've still gone through the process of figuring it out. Yeah, and and the, the, I think the problem is that I think that she's had a hard time. I think getting getting her into bigger storylines because her power level isn't exactly on the same level as other people, even like you know Miles and things like that. It's it's like she's not to that level, and I think it's just for me as far as power set in the six sixteen universe, she's a fun character. But there's just not enough there, I think, for 
just to get kind of get her over the edge i think to be an avenger necessarily in right. my opinion it, it's always been hard because when i look at comics it looks like it's more aimed at little little kids more than just like on all ages kind of a thing of you know aimed at yeah. everybody even though very much that first arc felt like more young adults and things like that i feel like her power set kind of puts her in that box a little bit in my opinion again it's my opinion now when they announced this show i was very intrigued because i'm like how are they gonna do these powers because if you do those powers on you know the way she does it again the way she does it in the in the comic books sean we both talked about how like that's gonna be weird and that's gonna be look not a little bit too maybe not ridiculous but just you know making herself giant huge like she does or or whatever i'm not sure how it's gonna work with the kids it might be a little bit too uh like funny on the nose and when it got leaked out with like promotional images with this whole like uh power set you know kind of a la the green lantern if you will I was very much, okay, that works. And seeing the little bits they've shown in here, I'm already 100% what, way better than the comic books. In fact, the comics, needed, whatever they're doing here, they need to retcon this immediately. Because when she has the shield up, I'm like, okay, I'm in. You automatically know that she's got power. Mm. She's a very powerful person. And so, you know, one of the things that I thought when she put the band on, I thought quantum bands. Mm. And I was yeah. like, is this a Quasar thing? Maybe. And we know Quasar might be coming at some point. I mean, there's, again, and Quasar is, and Quantum Bands are a Cree or, you know, cosmic thing. Right. I was like, okay, okay, you got my attention. Like, you know, what we're going to do here. So that's what I thought, but I couldn't tell. I'm like, is this a Quantum Band? Is this, what is this? Is one of them? Like you said, there, there are hinting that there's a connection with her, you know, maybe she's related to somehow with something with, you know, these bands potentially or whatever. But I thought quantum bands, which again, I'm thinking, okay, you're already enriched this with the 616 universe with the quantum bands. I'm in. Okay. All right. So there's a lot of really interesting things here that I'm getting excited about that I'm already liking way better than the comic book. And, you know, for me, making her more of a powerful character, a cosmic character, it gives the, and again, my own opinion, it gives the character more of a sense of wonder, Sean. Yeah. Like, there's a sense of like, you know, oh my gosh, if you, if, a, if I got elastic powers, I mean, I'd be doing like dumb crap with it all day. Like, you know, putting my, you know, I don't even want to go into there if I was at that age. Oh my God. But, you, but I think there's something to be said where, you have a lot of power and you're doing some of the things they show her, like walking on, you know, the, the power on, on, you know, not flying, but walking on air or whatever on, on, on the thing, like a lot, Stephen uh, strange. And, uh, if it were with, with star Lord, there's a sense of wonder with that. And there's a sense of like, just, there's just a really awe, an honest, I think, or if that makes if that's a word, a sense of awe that I think that she has that, that this stretchy powers alone wouldn't have. And I like that. It gives her a real sense of discovery and like, you know, kind of a deepness to it a little bit more than I think than stretchy powers by itself. So to me, this is better than what the comics ever could do with the stretchy powers. And like, they're not abandoning that whole idea either. So it's almost like they're taking the idea of green lantern and using the, those ideas in the comic books and the, her creativeness and mushing them together. And I think we're getting a more interesting character to be quite honest. So I'm I'm in. I'm 100% in. I don't think I don't know if Mr. Fantastic plays a part in this. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't think it's rightful to, to criticize Marvel for doing that because to me, you've only made the character better. You you haven't made her lesser. And let's be real here too. It's not like I, she has a lot of fans, but you know, I've seen people say she's like arguably the most popular character in Marvel. I'm like, 
I, I mean, she's popular. She's not, I mean, she's she, she's not she's not quite there yet. But I think the show with 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 their changes could easily make her a top five character if they ex- execute this the right way. So that's my opinion. I'm excited for the power, the different powers. I think they're much more uh, interesting and dynamic than the, the comic book version. That's just again my yeah. opinion. I think you might have it there, honestly, with the quantum bands because there are a lot of cosmic ties to them. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that they have. Uh, you know, some Cree connections, although I don't know, I don't think they're of Cree origin, but I know there's like, there's eternal S connections to them too. So maybe there's mm-hmm. going to be an Eternals tie to this. And maybe, the, I mean, think, I mean, it's, there's a lot of, well, not a lot. There's a few different artifacts, right? Like uh-huh. you have the 10 rings, mm-hmm. you have the, what, the ebony blade that um, mm-hmm. Dane Whitman is opening up at the end of Eternals. And uh, then you've got these mm-hmm. bands that uh, that Kamala has here in, in Ms. Marvel. I don't know if any of these things are going to be connected, but it's the MCU. So I mean, there's a decent chance. So, yeah, I don't know. I hadn't actually thought of the quantum bands, but I, I, I think you might have it there. But if it's not, mm-hmm. then it's going to be something very, very similar. And yeah. I, I kind of like the idea of it being the quantum bands, though, because yeah, you can find ways to connect that to, and it would be kind of smart, right? Like the next thing she's going to be in after this is the Marvels. So mm-hmm. you can use that to sort of connect things over to Carol Danvers and Monica Rambo. But um, that's also why I like the powers though, by the way, like it's yes. visually consistent with the powers that we see Carol have and Monica have, even though there's different origins of how they got their powers, of course. It puts her on the same level with them. Absolutely, yeah. And and I think that would kind of be the struggle visually in live action. It's one thing to put it in a comic book panel and make it look kind of cool, but when you have to have these characters move, you want to feel like Kamala can keep up with Carol and Monica, and she totally can with what we're seeing with these powers. Maybe not Captain Marvel, like when Captain Marvel goes like full binary mode and whatever, but (laughs) she's going to be very powerful, and that allows her to hold her own with these other heroes that she's inevitably going to be teaming up with, and and being like uh, being somebody who's formidable and, and a real opponent for the more powerful antagonists that will eventually show up, and that she'll have to deal with at various points in the MCU. So. I really like what they're doing with the power set. Visually, it just looks cool. I think even without knowing the full nature of it until we get to the series, the the series and all is revealed, I think, or at least some is revealed. I I like this and, and I think it still fits. And, and as I said, and, and this is just my take on it. If you're a Miss Marvel fan from the comic books and her embiggening powers exactly the way they were presented in the comic books was uh, a key point of what made the character appeal to you. I can't argue with that. I can't argue against that. I never really saw that as a, as a big piece of it because, as I said, it was just part of what was going on at the time. It was more convenient than anything else. What drew me into the story and made me want to keep reading and, and just get to know this character even more. It was the character herself and really her whole life around out, or outside being a superhero and then while she's a superhero. And and I love that this is a thing that she's dreamed about. I, I lo- As I mentioned, the whole idea of kind of dream big. Now, you know, you don't literally get to put on quantum bands or whatever they are and become a superhero. That's not really in the cards for us. But I still like the idea and in this heightened reality and this heightened way of of representing that idea of 
reaching of reaching for the stars of dreaming big and, and going for, uh, you know, chasing the dream, whatever it may be. And uh, I, I love all of that, but also finding a way to stay grounded to, to who you are and be a good person to your friends, your family and just, you know, everybody. So I, I like all of that. And in, in every in the way Kamala Khan navigates that in the comic books is a huge part of what made her so much fun. And, and also what's more relatable as a character than a diehard MCU superhero fan like inside the MCU, mm-hmm. right? Like we're fans of, of all these characters that she's a fan of. She's wearing a T-shirt with Captain Marvel and the Wasp and Valkyrie on it. We're fans of all three of those characters, so we understand why she would be fans of them in, in real life. And I I love that they said another Avengers t-shirt because can relate because literally at work every day, like another Marvel shirt. Yeah, man. Like, how many do you have? I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, Kamala Khan is awesome, uh, has been awesome in the comic books, and looks like she's going to be just as awesome Uh, as ever, if not even more, in live action in the MCU. And that's thanks to everybody involved in in making this series. But uh, tip of the cap especially to Iman Vellani, who, as I said, just looks like just a a full-fledged superstar right out the gate in this trailer. Uh, Could not be more excited about this series. Thankfully, uh, we have plenty of things to keep us interested while we wait for June 8th, we have six episodes of Moon Knight and an entire Doctor Strange movie between now and then. But I am so pumped for June 8th. Great trailer. Perfect trailer, in my view. And uh, just uh, I-, I can't wait to see the whole series. I will watch one more trailer. If they, I'll watch two trailers will be my limit for these things going forward, at least for now, uh, until unless or until Marvel Studios and the marketing team can you know, establish more trust of not showing too much. I'm willing to watch another trailer, uh, but that would be it. Uh, But based on what I'm seeing so far, I think the series is going to be a massive hit, and I think we are totally going to love it, and I think a lot of people are going to love it. This looks like it has the potential to be a real breakout hit for Marvel Studios on Disney+, Plus. one of those projects that you can just kind of tell when it happens, when certain Marvel projects attract even more attention than Marvel projects, movies, or series normally do. I think Miss Marvel is totally going to be in that class and just can't wait. We don't have to wait much longer from uh, as we record this. We are mere hours away from the arrival of Daredevil and his Defender Pals on Disney Plus. They will premiere on Disney Plus on March 16th after leaving Netflix on what, February 28th or March 1st, something like that. So these Marvel original series on Netflix, uh, they were there for all of their existence, but now the rights have expired. Everything reverts back to Disney. So they put them on Disney Plus as they announced last month. And as soon as we knew that these series were were freed up, I even tweeted it. They should definitely put these on Disney Plus and they should adjust the parental controls. So that way you're allowed to have TVMA or R-rated content on Disney Plus in the US because that's the way it already is in a lot of international markets where they have Disney Plus Star that has the Star General Entertainment options in infused into Disney Plus and yes you can have the parental controls on the various profiles to make sure with pins and all of it everything you need um, not that everybody's going to use it correctly, but everything you need to manage the content to keep it appropriate for whoever's using it or whoever's watching it at the time, 
Um, but now they're going to have this in the U.S. so that we can have these Marvel series. And my reaction when I saw this was, well, common sense prevailed, and they're keeping all the Marvel stuff <laughs> that they have on Disney+. Plus. That's just the smart way to do it. Um, but also, I, I think the way I felt about it was, it's just the beginning. This is a big thing for Disney to do to change to introduce and expand these parental controls and these ratings of what is allowed or not allowed to be on Disney Plus. It's a big step and they're not just doing this for a handful of canceled series, those series being Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, The Punisher and The Defenders. Oh, they're also adding in Agents of Shield, although they would have been able to put Agents of Shield on there anyway under the previous uh, content controls because I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was TV 14 or something like that when it was on ABC. So I think they always would have been able to do that. It would have just been the Netflix series that would have been an issue. But this opens things up to have the R-rated Deadpool movies on Disney+. Plus. If Disney wants to, or Marvel Studios wants to have any sort of revival of any of these characters or series like, hey, Daredevil and Kingpin were just revived. They were just revived in the MCU proper in Spider-Man No Way Home for Matt Murdock and Hawkeye for Wilson Fisk. So if they want to continue on with Daredevil and they still want it to be TVMA on Disney Plus, they can do that now with the way they have these things set up. So we'll get into like the the larger ramifications of this, but uh, I, I don't want to, even though I totally jumped over it, let me focus real quick uh, on these Defenders series being on Disney+. Plus. It's cool. I mean, I, I like that I don't have to go, like, leave the Disney Plus app and go just out of sheer laziness alone. Like, And, and I'm a big fan of things being curated properly on streaming apps, if they can be. And obviously not everything Marvel can be because of various licensing and whatever, but... Now that these shows belong to, uh, they're back with Disney, I like the idea of them being on Disney Plus instead of Hulu. I like the Disney Plus app a lot more than I like the Hulu app, and the user interface is so much better on Disney Plus, and I like the uniformity of it all. I like the curation of it all, and just being able to go to Disney Plus and access these shows. Not that I have any sort of inclination or desire to rewatch Iron Fist, but I definitely want to rewatch Daredevil and and will want to continue rewatching Daredevil from time to time. And I like the I very much like the idea of being able to do that on Disney Plus, as I'm sure you do as well, Paul. Yeah, this was something that I I'm, I'll be honest, when they announced it initially, Sean, I was a little surprised. I, I didn't think that Disney would have the guts to put something as, you know, not controversial, but kind of risque at times uh, on, on their platform. And when they said they were going to do it, I went, you know, I, I just was surprised. And it, and it also emphasized the fact that how strong of a brand, you know, those characters have, I mean, like, like you can explain to me before the show, I'll let you do your thing here. Um, but for me, I do think it does speak for like a lot, not every brand, obviously like Iron Fist is not exactly a great brand, but at the same time, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, I think Luke Cage, um, I think the defenders to an extent, you know, they all have a little, they have a following, you know, and they know that's, those are valuable commodities to have, um, mm -hmm. you know, so I think it says a lot. Cause let's be real. If it was something that they weren't like really super stoked about, they'd probably just throw it on like Hulu and be like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, or, you know, whatever. Like it wouldn't be as like, Hey, you're going to be able to watch 
the Defenders, Daredevil, Jessica Jones. It could be mm-hmm. on Disney Plus with parental controls. You know, I mean, like, it's not going to be like that, right? I mean, it's going to be kind of, an, you know, we added this here, you know, whatever. But the fact that, I mean, obviously everyone loves Daredevil. I mean, that's like, you know, it's like amazing. But it's just interesting to me that, that they have brought the other characters and they really wanted to make sure that those were a part of the Disney brand. That was interesting to me. Uh, even despite the the more adult like content, and again, like you said, you know, I won't say any more. Yeah, from, like, no. Steal all from those, you, uh, but all those cups of coffee on Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, like there's, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm like, that's a little weird. Not gonna lie. Um, which I still, I, I'll be, and to be frank, if you guys remember me, remember me talking about this back in the day, I didn't like it then. I don't really like it now. I think it's just, it's just weird. I'm sorry, this is too adult for me. If it's, if it's like two superheroes and a different thing, it's not Marvel. I'm fine. But if it's Marvel, it's just like, it's just, it's, it's whatever. Anyway, I, I'm a prude. I don't know what's wrong with me. But regardless, <laughs> I, I think it's really, really rad. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know what it means for canonicity. Uh, I, I tend to bet that it's not going to be canon-ish. But, um, well, this is where yeah. our dear listeners will know more than we do. Because by yeah. the time you're hearing this, you can go to Disney Plus and at least in the US. I don't know in other markets where, and I know we have people outside the US. Hello, thank you for listening. So uh, I don't know what it means for every market and which markets are getting these shows versus which ones are not. But if you're in a market where you are getting these shows on Disney Plus, because what I am going to be excited to check out when these shows arrive is if you go to that Marvel section on Disney Plus, where are they? Are they inserted in the Marvel Legacy section where you see the Fox X-Men movies or Fantastic Four movies? Or are they in the MCU where they have it laid out for phase one, two, three, and four, or also the chronological timeline order, that section on Disney Plus? Like those are the canon pieces of Marvel Studios or MCU content on Disney Plus. So where do they put those shows? Do they actually put them in the MCU section or do they put them in the Marvel Legacy section? Because that would tell you, or at least in my mind anyway, that would tell me what is going on or what Marvel is thinking or Marvel Studios is thinking as far as where these uh, where these shows actually lie and um, you know whether or not they are part of the MCU proper, or they're still going to be kind of just more tangentially connected, like on the periphery, like they mostly have been as far as their, you know, not so great relationship with or canonical status in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that's what I'll be looking for. And I was hoping I might be able to get an early look at it because it is midnight or a little after midnight Eastern time. So on the East Coast right now, it's March 16th, but no dice. Uh, so far, I'm not seeing any of these Defenders series um, over on uh, over on Disney Plus. But once you and although, by the way, you probably are going to have to update your profile first in order to be able to view them. Like in theory, that is what we should all uh, have to do. So. I'll be curious to see where they they end up. I don't expect, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., same thing, by the way. I don't expect that they're going to end up being canon in the MCU proper. I, I think there are already some things. I mean, there are actors, there are repeat actors. Alfred Woodard, who's in Luke Cage, but then also playing a different character in Captain America Civil War. 
um, Mahershal Ali, the big one, playing you know uh, Cottonmouth in Luke Cage, and then now being Blade in the MCU proper. And I know we've had different actors playing different characters in the MCU. Of course, we just had Gemma Chan playing Cersei in Eternals after she played Minerva in Captain Marvel. I think one of the big differences I would point out there is you can't totally, you can't immediately, if you don't already know that's Gemma Chan, you're not necessarily knowing right off the bat that that's Gemma Chan when you see Minerva because she's buried underneath all of that blue makeup. You don't have that kind of makeup hiding Mahershala Ali as these two different characters. And I also would wonder, do you need to make them officially canon in the MCU? I would say you probably don't. I mean, I think the only one you'd really be tempted to is Daredevil because you have Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home and you have Wilson Fisk in Hawkeye and you're obviously going to do more with those characters over time. And that would be another interesting way of looking at it. What if they split it? What if some shows are in the MCU timeline stuff and other shows are not? And Marvel kind of tells you, here's the ones that we're picking and choosing of which ones we think work for us and which ones don't. That also is a possibility. I mean, overall, most of these series were pretty well-received. I mean, Daredevil was well-received across the board. Maybe some mixed reviews for part of season two, but overall still positive and then very positive on seasons one and three. Very positive on season one of Jessica Jones and then at least okay in the subsequent seasons, although I did not really care that much for seasons two or three. Luke Cage... Fell off a bit in season two. People didn't like it quite as much, but people mostly still liked it and loved season one of Luke Cage, especially the first half of season one of Luke Cage. Iron Fist was the only one that was just the total miss of those Defender series. I mean, the actual team up Defender series, I thought was kind of mediocre as a, as a lot of people felt, but still it wasn't panned the way that Iron Fist was. And Punisher was pretty well liked, especially the uh, the first season of that. So it's not like all of these things just have to be tossed because nobody liked them. People did like them. So if they want to carry things forward, they certainly can. I But there's they don't have to officially certify any of these series as canon in order to use the same actors as these characters. They can say, up to you, whether or not seasons one through three of Daredevil are canon, but we're still going to use, as they already are, Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock because he's awesome in this role, and Vincent D'Onofrio as the Kingpin, because he's awesome in this role. And same thing if they want to for Mike Coulter as Luke Cage or Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones. I don't necessarily think they'll stick with, uh, was it Finn Jones or whatever for, for Iron Fist as Danny Rand? That probably won't stick, but they can pick and choose if, if they want to, but they can also let the, not necessarily wedge these things into the MCU timeline, but leave it up to the fans of, you know, you can still have some of this stuff as, as backstory as backstory in your headcanon if you want it. Yeah, I mean, either way, I th- I think they're going to, fi- to be honest, I'm a betting man. I don't think they're going to be canonized necessarily, but I think like they're, they're just going to cherry pick aspects and just hint about those and future things they do with the characters, especially with Daredevil, obviously. Um, but, you know, if they did go full canon, I think there's ways around it. I mean, I mean, right now, look at Iron Fist in the comic books. They're, they're reintroduced in a brand new iron fist and Danny Rand's heading out. So, I mean, they really very much could do something like that. Um, but I don't think so. I think there's going to be kind of like a, there's going to be a little bit of an idea of just like, 
wink, wink, nudge, nudge of things that happen between the important stuff and the other stuff, just going to leave it alone and not really address. And then if they have their, you know, bringing new characters or bringing Jessica Jones again. Like if Jessica, if, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what's her, what's her name? First name Ritter. I don't yeah, know her Kristen Ritter. Ritter. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Ritter. That's right. Um, so I'm so bad with names. As I get older, I'm getting worse. Um, Christian Ritter, you know, she comes back at Jessica Jones. You can hint at things that happened to her, but you don't have to hint at every single thing that happened in Defenders. Or, again, with Iron Fist, if you want to introduce a new Power Man in Iron Fist, you can do that and not have to worry about, I think, those things. Just kind of like – and people will get it. I don't think people are going to be like, what is this happening? I mean, some people right. might freak out, but I, it's in the end, it's not going to be that big of a deal. No, I, I really don't think it is. But some people might be asking the question, well, if they're not canon, why put them – on Disney Plus instead of Hulu. And I think there are very boring and practical answers for that. But as boring as they may be, here it goes anyway. One is there already are non-canon Marvel things that are on Disney Plus. X-Men, Fantastic Four, as I mentioned. Even though some of that, who knows, may in some multiversal way, with some multiversal of madness type of way, somehow be end up being connected to the MCU. We shall see. But... I think I don't think everything's all of a sudden going to be connected and be part of the mainline MCU. And it doesn't have to be. And, and another reason why you would still put these shows on Disney Plus instead of Hulu is because they are popular. They are popular as they currently are. People do like them. And so it boosts the value of Disney Plus. And if you're Disney, it's better for you to boost the value of Disney Plus than it is to boost the value of Hulu. And it's not just because Disney Plus has your, you know, has the Disney name in it and because it's the flagship, there's a very practical financial reality to this where Disney still owes in a couple years a payment to Comcast for Comcast's share of Hulu. And the more valuable Hulu is, the more Disney is going to have to pay Comcast for Comcast's share of Hulu. So why you're going to limit the things that you do for Hulu to add value. You want to grow Hulu to some extent, because it's still going to be yours eventually when it's uh, when it's all said and done. But you don't want to go too fast and you don't want to add too many things to it. If you could just go ahead and add them to Disney Plus instead, you might as well, because you're boosting the value of the one you own 100 percent of that you don't owe anybody, any other company, any other money for in a couple of years. And that's a very quick summary, like oversimplified version of where things are with Disney and, and Hulu. But I also think that is to borrow a Marvel pun for a second, that is the end game here and part of what's happening. Like Disney Plus Star, the way it is internationally and the way those are combined into one service, I do think that's what ultimately happens with Hulu and it's Disney Plus Hulu or maybe they rename Hulu or just merge it into Disney Plus and, and, and don't look back because a lot of what Hulu is now will not stay. For example, Comcast has confirmed like they're taking NBC shows the next day stuff where if, because a lot of people have used Hulu, uh, Hulu to replace uh, to replace cable. So if you're watching an NBC show like This Is Us, or hopefully you're watching Grand Crew, and if you weren't watching Grand Crew when it aired on TV, make sure you watch it on Peacock or on Hulu. All episodes uh, available now. So go stream them. Go check out the show. It's awesome. So anyway, you won't be able to watch an NBC show the next day on Hulu anymore. Starting with this fall season, that goes away. And a lot of the NBC Universal library is slowly going to go away from Hulu. And pretty soon, that whole next day thing, you're going to be down to ABC, which for if you're Disney, you could just as easily put that on Hulu. Or it's going to go to maybe not just as easily, but you could work it out. It's your network. It's your shows. You can figure it out. Or 
you would have Fox shows and that's it, you know, because Fox also has a next day deal with with Hulu and, and who knows how long that'll be around before they pull it back into their own streaming service, the part of Fox that Disney did not buy. So a lot of those things are going to change for Hulu and it's mostly going to be down to maybe they'll be able to keep the live TV option, um, although that's very expensive and a lot of people don't necessarily go for it, although I think it's doing OK for Disney. And you'll be down to the live TV option, maybe. But then you'll have ABC shows, which you could, as I said, put on Disney Plus. And you're down to Hulu Originals and FX, which you could also just put on a Disney Plus Hulu and merge it with these content filters. And that's why I think this whole content filter thing is in the parental controls. It's it's much more game changing. And I felt that way when they introduced it internationally a year ago. And now that this is happening here in the U.S., this is not just about Marvel. This is not just about a handful of Marvel shows that have been canceled, some of which they may or may not revive. This is about a this is a bigger shift in what Disney Plus is for consumers. And I think it was smart for Disney initially to have things more consistent with the Disney brand in terms of the content ratings. It made sense because they had the Disney name and this is what people expect. But as they've grown in this streaming business, I think what is becoming apparent is you need to have people stay in your streaming ecosystem and stay on your app and ideally just one app to make sure that people never leave or make sure they they, they don't leave very often. And the way you do that is you need to satisfy all the different needs that somebody might have. So Yes, you have Marvel shows and Star Wars shows and animation and whatever else for kids, adults, whoever. But then you also have more of that general entertainment. And some of that is going to be TVMA, uh, TVMA shows or R-rated movies. And they've been doing it internationally. Now it's going to be part of this transition here in the U.S. And it's really more about building up Disney Plus as a one more of a one-stop streaming platform for consumers because that is not what it is right now i don't think it's even close to that and but this is what can get it a, a lot closer to have more of something for everyone in the way that netflix has or hbo max has especially when hbo max is eventually combined with discovery plus this is all part of what it takes to compete in an increasingly competitive streaming market so that's enough of the boring business talk but those are the practical realities behind this move that are much much bigger than uh, than daredevil and his friends yeah, I, I think you bring up a lot of great points. I didn't even think about that. That this is a, this more, like each you said so well before the show, Sean. You said Marvel is leading the way. Yeah, and you know Disney didn't have to, you know, because think about this: if they were to put something on that's brand new, that's like you know a new product or new you know program or whatever, then it's risque or whatever. Like that's going to get a lot of headlines in the most negative way. People are going to go, why are you can't put that on my Disney channel? It's all right. meant for, you know, cartoons and squirrels running around. And I mean, like people people <laughs> are going to yeah, say that. It's a transition. But, yeah. But now with something as beloved as the Defenders characters and its Marvel brand, you could say, well, Marvel's always been a little bit more, you know, it's a separate thing. And we're Disney, you know, it, they can just mold it together and it's seamless. And people are just going to subconsciously go, oh, yeah, there's parental stuff on there because they got the Daredevil stuff. It's like they just accept it. Mm -hmm. And now they can do those things like, you know, if they do want to mold Hulu over to Disney Channel or Disney Channel, oh my God, uh, Disney Plus. And then you want to see that Predator movie Prey and it's on Disney Plus. 
you're not gonna bat an eye. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you're just being, oh, okay, cool. It's it's gonna it. You know, Disney brand is going from pure like you know toddlers to you know and to young kids to everybody. Literally everybody. And it's and it's a transition for people like us who grew up with Disney being squeaky clean, quote right. unquote. But now Disney's, you know, ensuring their brand is is, is everybody. And it's yeah. Marvel and Star Wars are kind of like we're the beginners of introducing that idea. And now for the about Fox, it's gonna be everything. I mean, we're gonna get it's it it, it is a genius idea. I, I'm I'm honestly it's it's so genius what you said because so many, so many people would have flipped out. So I mean, I'm sure people are going to flip out now, but like, it's going to be so much less of a big deal because of these of Marvel. It's yeah. crazy to me how well, genius this is. So, in, well, in some ways, it could be a bigger deal because some people are are going to, and and some people already have. There are already, you know, the the groups that have already that are usually offended by such things who are already offended by it. But uh, saying, you know, well, it's it's Marvel, and this is why it's wrong for Marvel to be the first thing out, because people expect a certain thing from Marvel, and they don't expect TVMA. Parents with kids don't expect TVMA Marvel, but it's not just going to automatically show up on Disney+. Plus. It's not something, unless something goes horribly awry tomorrow, but the way this is supposed to happen is you have to opt into the higher content rating, so it's not like if your kid logs into Disney Plus for the very first time tomorrow or whenever that all of a sudden they're just going to see Daredevil or Jessica Jones and have the option to watch it. In order for it to appear on Disney Plus, you will have to have already changed the content rating for that profile and you can lock the profile with the TVMA content rating with a pin and all of that stuff. So there are ways for you to secure it. And that's why initially I was okay with and even on board with the idea of Disney sticking with stuff that is more aligned with what people expect from Disney in terms of content rating. It was smart to lead with that because no matter what parental controls you put on there, inevitably people are going to use them incorrectly or not use them at all or whatever it may be. And then kids will watch things that parents will not want them to see. And the parents won't look at it as that's my bad for not using the parental controls correctly it's Disney's bad for having it on the platform in the first place. That's always going to happen, and I understand why Disney didn't want that to happen in the early days of Disney+, Plus. but now you're talking about uh, a service that is in its third year, and now it needs to it needs to continue growing. Like, it hit a little bit of a plateau and had decent growth in the last, like, quarterly uh, numbers that they released. And so it's, it's doing okay again, but in order to keep expanding and really compete with where Netflix is at and make no mistake, that's what Disney's trying to do with this streaming platform. They're going to have to offer more for everyone across the board. And I think this is an important step and to go just slightly out of Marvel for a little bit. This is, this is the step that allows Disney to have a series that when I say TV MA, it doesn't necessarily have to be the raunchiest stuff, but a show like Ted Lasso would be great on something like Disney Plus, where it's definitely TVMA with the subject matter and some of the things they go into, but tonally, there's still a lot of it that feels okay for Disney. But there's a lot of different things that they can do to expand on it. And as I said, get people into your streaming ecosystem and give them more of what they need there so they're not seeking it out elsewhere uh, at your competitors' streaming apps. You want to keep them in your app, and I don't think Disney Plus is really all that well equipped to do that now because it's there for you when you want to watch Disney animation, Pixar, Marvel or Star Wars or some Disney classic. But if you do want to watch something TVMA or R-rated, 
you have to go to a competitor or you have to go outside to Hulu. In the end, the end game for this is for you to not have to do that anymore on Disney Plus, whether they call it Disney Plus Hulu in the US or whatever they end up calling it. That's where this is headed. And Marvel gets to usher in the first big step uh, toward that with these series. And another one of the big steps that I'm sure is on the way. And I know there's different licensing deals, uh, pre-existing licensing deals with Fox and and various X-Men titles. But eventually, because they've already been on Hulu, so I think eventually they'll be on Disney+. Plus. The Deadpool movies are going to be there. And it gives you uh, a perfect home for Deadpool 3 which we actually haven't even talked about that. Sean Levy is directing Deadpool 3. That's, uh, that also came out. That was confirmed by Ryan Reynolds. So let's talk about that, Paul. I didn't even put it in the intro. Um, really quickly, I, I don't have a ton to say about it other than I'm very excited about Sean Levy doing this movie because both of the movies he's directed with Ryan Reynolds that have come out over the past year, Free Guy and The Atom Project, which just came out on Netflix. Free Guy, you can now watch on Disney Plus or on HBO Max, but we all know where Disney would prefer that you watch it. But both of those movies I thought were really great. So I love this pairing. I, I love this team. And I just like that it's probably the most meaningful news we've had of a Marvel Studios uh, Deadpool 3 movie. So, uh, yeah, I am totally up for this. I have not seen Free Guy. Um, is, is, the, is the director the guy who did uh, Schitt's Creek? Uh, no. Which, one, which one's he? Which You're thinking Dan Levy. Okay, see, I'm getting my Levy's all mixed up. Um, I haven't seen Free Guy. And so I, I again, I, I don't know. I can't really comment about Levy. that. I don't remember. But see, now now I'm with you with name pronunciations. But yeah, see, but I, I don't know. Different what, guy. Yeah. All right. See, regardless. Um, <laughs> and maybe it's Sean Levy. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Who, I don't know. Um, either way, I've, I've, I've only heard great things about it. The trailers for Free Guy never did anything for me, but I've heard it surprised a lot of people, yeah. which is really which is really cool. So I'll have to give it a shot. I, I mean, Ryan Reynolds is charismatic as hell. I love his Deadpool you knew he was going to come back at some point. So I, I, yeah, I, I'm excited. It is interesting that they got the guy from who did free guy has got, again, has done, that movie did it surprise a lot of people for many mm-hmm. different reasons. And it's, it's cool that they're teaming up against so their, their partners. So yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting because the last film very much was heavy on the action. It felt like yeah. more, or the, the first and two, definitely the first one was a little bit less. The first second one was a lot more emphasized on that. I felt like, but this one, I'm curious if, with, with more with, with Ryan being with someone more, he's, he's more comfortable with as a, as a collaborator. It'll be interesting what kind of outcome we get, um, especially in the, in the Marvel universe. So that to me is probably the most intriguing aspect of that is how Ryan and, and this, his director friend will collaborate together and what that will mean for Deadpool. Because Deadpool 2 didn't blow me away. It was very underwhelming, to be honest. Um, I like the first one a lot uh, more. But, yeah, I'm very curious what he does with this. So I feel that we're probably going to be – it's probably going to be a lot more creative. A little Does that mm-hmm. make any sense? I think a little more creative of, of a story idea and probably a movie overall compared to the other two. I mean, who knows? But that's my guess at this point. I think it will also benefit from just having more time, time. to yeah. develop. And I think that was just kind of what happened with the first. I, although I like the Deadpool sequel, but anytime you have a movie that's very successful and then two years later or barely more than two years later, because it was February 2016 for the first one. And then what was it like May or June of 2018 for the second one? So pretty quick turnaround. 
Sometimes that works out okay, sometimes not so much. But I, I thought it actually worked out pretty well in Deadpool 2. I, I like that movie, but fun, I yeah. I also really like this pairing because of what they've done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not only Free Guy, but The Adam Project, which, as I said, you all can go check out on uh, on Netflix. And there was, a, there was a lot of buzz about that movie and a lot of really positive reactions and and I, so I was pretty, uh, pretty hyped for it. And I watched it last weekend and, and really loved it. And, and I think that there's what I like about what they bring to it together as a team is I think it's got all the Ryan Reynolds snarkiness that you could hope for. But I think what Sean Levy brings to it as a filmmaker and, you know, and Ryan Reynolds too, as the collaborator is, is they also don't lose sight of the heart of the story and the heart of the characters. And and I think Deadpool could probably use a little more heart. I know it's silly and I know it's irreverent, but if you care a little more, as I think you did in the first Deadpool movie, like I, I think that really, um, that really enha- elevates the experience as you're watching the story, as we've seen time and again, in so many different movies and series, but particularly here in the Marvel cinematic universe and, and part of what's made it a, a favorite for so many of us. So I, I think this pairing it bodes well for Deadpool 3, but as I said, what might be most exciting besides just this uh, this team coming together and, and now doing a Deadpool movie, one of what was kind of funny, though, is that, and I mean, he must have known about this because uh, I think like a, a few days before the news broke, in, a, uh, in an interview, Sean Levy was talking about how he really wanted to do a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie one day, and so he's probably doing that knowing full well that he's already going to do Deadpool 3 with Ryan Reynolds, so I thought that was pretty cool. But also, um, I, I think, as I was uh, saying before, we've known that Deadpool 3 was being worked on. We've known that it exists as a thing Marvel Studios wants to make, and we know they've had writers and everything, but until you have a filmmaker attached to it, like it's just kind of an idea. And even after a filmmaker is attached to it, that doesn't always guarantee you're going to get a movie. But with Ryan Reynolds coming out with this and sharing this news and and being, you know, and really celebrating it, like this is real, this is happening. And, and this means that Deadpool 3 is really being put into motion in a much more meaningful way than we have seen over uh, over the past few years. So I'm very excited about that. And, and I can only imagine that this must be something that is uh, a San Diego Comic Con or D23 Expo away from getting a formal announcement from Marvel Studios that would also provide a, a release date for said movie unless we get that news uh, sometime between, uh, between now and then. Uh, also want to talk uh, very briefly about the MCU Fan Awards. I've been teasing this idea for a while, but as I mentioned, we weren't going to do it at the very end of the year or very beginning of this new year because we wanted to allow time to sit with the entries at the very end of the year, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is now available at home. I'm excited to watch that movie again at home. Uh, And then also um, Hawkeye and everything else. So now that we have the whole year behind us, and revisiting some projects, uh, we will be sharing more about the MCU Fan Awards, about the nominees and the categories again for the MCU Fan Awards, and then we will actually announce winners and have an MCU Fan Awards show podcast uh, that will be coming out probably around the time that the Oscars are being given out because they're not going to give the MCU a lot of awards, so we'll give the MCU all of the awards because it's the MCU Fan Awards. So that is coming up very soon on the podcast, leading us into our spoiler review series for Moon Knight. Now, uh, before we wrap up, 
Uh, we also want to talk about how uh, there was someone from the MCU that we lost this past week, as many of you, I'm sure, are aware, all of you are aware, William Hurt, who played General and then Secretary of State Thaddeus Ross in the MCU. Uh, he passed away uh, this past weekend. So, of course, we send our condolences to all of his friends and family. And this, of course, is very sad news, and uh, it wasn't necessarily something that anyone really uh, expected or, or could have expected. And I just know for William Hurt, I mean, he was an actor I was already aware of and, and respected, you know, and just thought was a powerhouse before the MCU. And when he was cast in The Incredible Hulk, he's one of those actors that just lends a certain level of credibility of, oh, he's in this? Like, wow. Especially because this was early days MCU, like early days Marvel Studios, like Marvel striking out and making movies on their own, and who's going to be a part of this. And there were so many great names being added to the mix in Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, but one of those was William Hurt. And me growing up a big Hulk fan, the idea of him being Thunderbolt Ross just made sense to me, and he was uh, he was great in that. And then I thought he was even better when he took on the Secretary of State role that we saw in Civil War and Infinity War, but then also uh, in Black Widow. So, um, you know, did obviously tremendous work throughout his entire career, but was also, uh, you know, someone in the MC, someone whose work in the MCU, I, like many of you, uh, really, really enjoyed and, and will continue to enjoy uh, for years to come. So, you know, thank you and, and rest in power to to William Hurt. And, and I know, Paul, you're you're also feeling this one. Yeah, I mean, anytime you you lose someone like like we have as far as I mean, anyone, but like when you're watching someone in William Hurt's movies and you know from Lost in Space re, you know reboot in the '90s to you know all these other movies of you know the Dune and the Sci-Fi Channel Dune remake. I mean, you know, dude's dude's done a lot of stuff, and you know, I haven't seen a, a, a lot of his a ton of his movies, but I've seen it enough to know I like the actor. I love them as. Uh, Thunderbolt Ross in the original Incredible Hulk movie. I thought it was fantastic. In fact, I would say it's maybe my favorite performance in that movie. Um, he just nails it, eats up the screen, and to me, just embodied that character better than anything. And uh, you know, and, and seeing him come back for a few films was great. Um, you know, it was it was interesting that he it seemed like he had a bigger role in Black Widow, and then that got seen cut out a little bit. And uh, I'm not sure if his health had something to do with it, but um, I was a little bummed. I would love to. See, I'm hoping that we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, Thunderbolt Ross have some kind of uh, acknowledgement going forward in the mm. in the MCU. Of, of, you know, we lost someone. You know, and and give them kind of uh, honorable uh, mention. So, uh, in the film or whatnot. So, but yeah, always always awful to see these things, and never never great to report them. But uh, I appreciated his performances. Uh, for sure, growing up and uh, even as an adult, uh, enjoying his uh, his portrayals, these characters that I love reading so much when I was a kid. Absolutely, and that is where we will end this episode of MCU Fan Show. Thank you, as always, for listening. Make sure you're following us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out Fan Show Plus, available to premium subscribers at patreoncom Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. If you search for uh, Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel on Apple Podcasts, you can find it there. Where most recently we've been doing spoiler reviews on the Book of Boba Fett 
as well as Peacemaker on HBO Max. And there will be more to come, including additional MCU content on Fanshow Plus in the weeks ahead. Paul, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Please uh, go and subscribe to my channel on YouTube, The Comic Binge. Uh, we've done a lot, a lot, a lot of Batman stuff on there, and uh, we've got more coming on the way. There's more uh, comic book masterpieces coming. We're, we're going to be reviewing a very beloved uh, independent uh, 80s comic. I'll just hint at that uh, in a couple weeks here. I'm very excited about that. We have I launched a new, uh, new, ch- new episode series on that channel as well, Marveling Star Wars. We're, we're going to be talking about, obviously... Star Wars comic books. And so uh, we have a Boba Fett episode scheduled for next week. We have a Batman episode scheduled this week for the uh, a Gotham Knight episode series. Lots of sub-series. I'm big into that right now. And I just love being able to kind of go all over the place when I want to. So I'm having a blast with it. Um, yeah, follow us there and f- follow Saga Continues, a Star Wars podcast with me and Tim and Kyle. Lots of fun there. We, we're doing an Obi-Wan show next week. So yeah, check it out. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. What's this? More podcasts after the credits? Sure, why not? Sean Gerber still here with an update on one of the subjects we were discussing and wondering about during the show. But before I get into that, Just want to point out that I do believe it is pronounced Sean Levy, not Levy, for the director of Deadpool 3. So sorry for all of those Levies you heard during the podcast. Now, as for that update, we were wondering where Daredevil and the other Defender series would end up on the Marvel landing page on Disney+. Plus. We didn't think that they were going to end up in any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe rows on that Marvel page on Disney+, and it looks like we were right. As of this recording, I don't see any of them in there. I do see, because I was able to opt into the parental controls with TVMA content, whatever, so now I can see all of the Defender series on the Disney Plus homepage, but then also on that Marvel landing page. And when I scroll through the Marvel Cinematic Universe sections, the one that has the entire MCU the chronological timeline order one, the various phases. I don't see these Defender series anywhere in there. Where I see them are two sections, one at the top, the featured section, which is usually for new prominent stuff and new additions to the Marvel landing page that get highlighted there. So that's an obvious place to put them. But then they also have their own row. They have the Defender saga on Disney+, Plus, but again, not woven into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, where did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. end up? It ended up in the Marvel series and specials section on Disney+, Plus, which is where the Agent Carter series uh, has also been posted on Disney+, Plus pretty much since the launch of Disney+. Plus. So none of that, even though there is some MCU stuff on the Marvel Studio, or I'm sorry, the Marvel series and specials section, like the Marvel Studios Assembled series, and also the Disney Plus series, there's also plenty of other things that are not canon. It's just anything that's a TV show um, or streaming series as it pertains to Marvel. So there's nothing really on the Disney Plus, the Marvel landing page on Disney Plus. There's nothing there that really certifies these series as canon or acknowledges them as part of the MCU canon in any meaningful way other than the multiversal canon that seems to be going on that's connecting at least some of these Marvel pro- these previous Marvel projects 
to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And really, that's just kind of the way it's been all along for the Defender series and also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I'm not really surprised to see them categorized this way and by Disney Plus decree them not being certified as canon, although they can change that anytime they want to if they want to weave any of those stories into canon. There's also the other option, as we've talked about before on the podcast, Marvel has the ability to pick and choose whatever they want to be canon and incorporate any elements of any series that they want to should there be a need for it in any of their stories or it helps inform any of the characters that they move forward with in the MCU proper, like we've already seen with Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk. So that will always be available to them, and the rest can be left up to us in terms of what uh, what's canon or what isn't. And at the very least, it all gets to be some sort of canon in the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse, which is definitely a thing now. So there is going to be a certain amount of choose-your-own-adventure as it pertains to your own Marvel Cinematic Universe or Marvel Cinematic Multiverse timeline slash canon. So that's where things are right now for the Defenders on Disney+. Thanks for sticking around after the music. I'm Sean Gerber. We'll see you again very soon.